You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number two. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio at the bottom of the hour. Aaron Portsline, Blue Jackets writer for The Athletic with Jonas. Mike Babcock steps away from the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, that's the topic of our text question today for your chance to win uh, a pair of tickets to the Heritage Classic in Edmonton next month and some Expendables 4 movie tickets. I worked as a blank shorter than Mike Babcock's tenure behind the bench of the Columbus Blue Jackets. 960-960 name and location. We'll give away some tickets at 8.30. But right now, he is the co-host of Blair and Barker on the Sportsnet Radio and Television Network, former Major League Baseball first baseman on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We say good morning to Kevin Barker. Hello, friend. How are you? Hey, boys. How we doing? We're good. Um, Kevin, what's the shortest job you've ever worked at before you started playing baseball? Like a summer uh, job? A lawnmower. Oh. <laughs> I was, I was, I had a, I had a, I had a, a job mowing uh, yards when I was a kid, and I think I screwed it up so bad because I, I wanted to put, like, you know, draw things in the yard, and I don't think the dude that I was doing it for liked that. So it lasted for, like, 20 minutes, and then my dad was – I just remember my dad was mad at me and grounded me for, like, two weeks. So, I, you know, it was, it was a plus because I didn't really want to do it anyway, and that's right. sort of the reason. Yeah, it was more my dad was like, you need to do this, and – I played five sports. It's like, well, do I need what more do I need to do? Like, yeah. so he tried to make me mow a yard. So I just thought I'd draw things in the guy's yard. He got mad at me and fired me, and I never did it again. So, probably what was that? That was about thirty-five minutes. Okay, uh, what were you trying to draw, though, Kevin? I l- like my my initials. Okay, <laughs> all right. Hey, yeah, that, that gentleman did not seem to like that. So. Okay. Um, yeah, because I, le- I left everything else tall except the, the, the initial part. <laughs> Ridiculous. An artist always signs his work. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I like yeah, that. Uh, Mic drop. Uh, five, five sports in high school. Which ones? Uh, track, cross country, football, football, baseball. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Wait. What? Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't, wait, I didn't like three of the four and the other two one was because i wanted to be ready and ready to go for baseball so it was more of you did a bunch of the other one station make so, you quicker faster on the basis to be baseball baseball's for my passion but my dad's a military and it was very structured it's you know it's track season it's cross guns and i hated those two things. so I sort of used it as a as a process to be better when I played baseball. Um, oh, I thought when you said track, I thought maybe you were in the hammer throw or the shot put, maybe no, the no, javelin, no. Kevin. No, no, I was when I was young. I was really, you know, I was about I was about one hundred thirty pounds. That's pretty quick. Like I would run for your money, and again, it was more for you know the the first step and the, you know, the footwork and all the things. Mm. All right. track. I would use those things for baseball. Uh, Kevin, your phone's a little wonky. Uh, we're going to call you right back. Uh, it's a little cutting in and out, so we'll call Kevin Barker right back, um, GVP. Um, five sports in high school. It's not bad. Again, when, when you're a future professional athlete, that's what generally happens. You play a ton of sports in high school. Yeah, and you use the other sports to get into shape and, and prepare for the other yeah. sports. Yeah, 100%. Well, what was the other two he said? He said basketball and baseball? Yeah. 
In football, of course. In football. And he ran track in cross mm. country. Okay. Because yeah. he wanted to be faster on the basis. Busy summer. He had no time to cut grass. And he tried to put his initials in the, in the Just lawn. Just a quick little signature, a little how do you yeah, do? Yeah, why not? It's like when you said that, like the first thing that popped into my head was like the Bob Ross red yeah. paint in the corner when yeah. you said you got to sign your work. I was thinking Banksy, but yeah, exactly. Okay, sure. It's the same Banksy, thing. all right. Yeah. 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 Have you ever showed up in Calgary and done anything, Banksy? Uh, the invite's out there, Banksy, whoever you may be. Uh, Kevin Barker's back on the line on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline. I hope that's better, Mr. Barker. Uh, I don't know. You guys tell me how it Oh, okay. Crystal clear now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks no, for that. Not, well, I'm, stand, I'm standing on one foot, leaned up in the corner of my house. Okay, go. I like that. For you guys in Calgary. I love it. I'm going to do this. <laughs> yeah. See, I love it. I love that you do that for us. Uh, I want to ask you one more question before we get to the Blue Jays. Uh, for those of our listeners who don't know, you're a Denver Broncos fan. What was your reaction when that Hail Mary was caught yesterday? You're breaking up. <laughs> See, now your phone's not any good. <laughs> I, don't, I can't hear you guys. <laughs> you're breaking up. I don't know. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a tough one. Tough one for yeah, Russell. It's a tough one. There's the other Broncos. It's a, it's, you know what makes it worse is my wife's a Chiefs fan. Yeah, and Whoa. I was hoping because they lost Week One that they were going to go zero and seventeen. Yep, <laughs> and obviously they're not going to do that now. Right, right. So every time that she wins and 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 my mm-hmm. team loses, which is most of the time now, yep. is you know, so it's been tough. You get it from both ends because they were up like by like seventeen or eighteen at one time, and then yep. they lost to the to to Washington. I didn't even know Washington had a team. Yeah. But, um. Yeah. That was uh, not a good, uh, not a good defeat uh, for your Denver Broncos. Uh, now zero yeah. two. Thanks for bringing that up. No problem. How did I know you would do that. Yeah, again, <laughs> because I know yeah. you're a Broncos fan, yeah. and I'm like, huh, we yeah. got Kevin on the yeah. show tomorrow. I want to ask him yeah. about that hail mary, and then of course they missed yeah. the two point convert, which is so. Yeah, I don't care about the hail mary. How's that? Okay, okay. all right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I like it. Um, could could this weekend be? A, could it break any better for the Blue Jays than it did, Kevin? No, I don't think so. I think they're sort of exactly what we thought they were. Like, they're not going to change now, right? They scored 10 runs three games against the Red Sox, who have some of the worst pitching in baseball. You know, they don't have – the Blue Jays don't have a cleanup hitter. It's, you know, and, and some of the guys like Chapman and Varsho and Kirk, I mean, they've basically been non-existent. And two of those three helped out a lot, right? They They got the big hit when they needed to get it. And then that's sort of, you know, been because of all the things they do on the pitching side of the ball. The pitching is very good because they can adapt and overcome in a game, right? It's the Red Sox where you can add and subtract them, right? You can throw a breaking ball and fastball counts. You can elevate the fastball. They could tell they were having some trouble catching up to any velocity. And whenever you can adapt and overcome in game and, you know, sort of pitch to teams' weaknesses one through nine, that only means that your pitching staff's really good and, and you know, are paying attention and, they got a really good uh, pitching coach. They they got some decent game planning behind the plate, right? They they're not afraid to throw whatever it takes to get people out. So, yeah, and I think the Vladdy thing. Look, I don't. I'm not saying he's turned the corner, but I I do think he's been had some challenges mechanically all season. Yeah, everybody's pointing the finger at what he's swinging at. That's for me. It's a little bit more than that. That sometimes doesn't help, but I think because of the mechanical issues, sometimes you're thinking more about where the parts are going instead of see ball, hit ball. And when you don't, you know, you're chasing things you normally don't chase. So, you know, I think the one time that he got on the field a couple of days ago and he was trying to work on 
one consistent move. It wasn't the foot goes. You know, he's got that fluition thing where it's the parts, right? And, and everything's got to be connected. If one's not following the other, then it sort of gets separated and he's playing catch up. And the big boys always don't look how they start, look how they finish. And now he's starting to get to his finish and he can hold it above his head and that creates loft and he can get the ball in the air to the pull side. And, you know, it's just with Vladdy, it's a lot. Try not to overthink it. You know, you got a game plan on the on-deck circle. Stick to it. Don't change it while you're walking to the plate, which when the conversations that I've had with him, sometimes that's his issue. And if he can just sort of stay away from that and have a, a, one consistent move, I think he'll continue to hit the baseball hard. But, yeah, it's right. Play clean baseball. Don't do dumb things. Right. You know, if you need to tag up late in the game, tag up. Right? It's Again, this is – you know, it's not rocket science. It's baseball 101. The scoreboard will tell you everything you need to know, how you're supposed to do things. And if you're supposed to tag up, don't have your first move towards where you want to end up. Right? Pause. Stay within yourself. Mm-hmm. Gather yourself. Go back, tag up, and that's how you help your team win baseball games. It's about the one big inning. It ain't about three or four innings where they're scoring a couple of runs in each one of those innings. It's about your pitching staff, you know, figures out ways, whatever, to keep that other lineup from scoring and give your lineup a chance to have the one big inning. And, you know, hopefully John and Petey and Don Mattingly can can make all the right moves when they have to by taking the pitcher out at the right time, bringing in the right guy, and, you know, they're they're doing their part when it comes to that. It's just the clean baseball part of it. If you're Alejandro Kirk and you need to get momentum and a better secondary lead, get better secondary lead. Like, you know, we all know you're slow. You're turtle slow. Right. But that's even more reason <laughs> for you to be better when it comes to, okay, if I need to, when a ball's hit behind me and I'm at second because we're not scoring runs and I need to get to third, I need a shorter lead, a bigger secondary lead. I need to have momentum on my right foot, balls on my toes, so that way, at least I can get a better chance to give myself an opportunity to try and get to third to help the dude stay on the on-deck circle to where he can have a productive out where he doesn't have to get a hit. So it's just little things like that. If they right. can do the little things because of the way they play defense in the outfield and the way they pitch, hopefully they're a playoff team and I can come back on here in October and talk about trying to maybe make a decent run. Uh, Kevin, I wanted to ask you this about Vlad Jr., and you're talking about mechanics. Can you have good mechanics if you're pressing too hard and getting out of the strike zone? Yeah, look, this, I think those two things go hand in hand, right? When your mechanics are bad, your eyes move. When your eyes move a lot, when you're trying to make a positive move towards the baseball, the ball moves. The ball moves, you tend to chase it because you don't see it right out of the guy's hand. You don't see it long enough. Right, you don't see the late break. You don't. You can't tell the difference between a fastball and a breaking ball. So for me, when the move is not the way it's supposed to be, his fruition. Everybody could, that's listening to this, close their eyes and watch him or picture him doing the the foot thing where it comes back. Well, sometimes his foot will go, his hands stay, and then his hands do that move, and it's not a one consistent move to where sort of everything is fluid. What that does is that keeps his square, his shoulders square. When his shoulders are square, the barrel stays in the zone longer, and it gives him a chance to 
be out front like the breaking ball where he one-handed that breaking ball, hit that home run. That gives him a chance. When everything's fluid on time, he sees the ball longer. He can stay through it longer. He can get to his finish because he has great rotation. He has elite bat speed. Like, he's an elite hitter who is fighting it. And when it's a little bit more fluid, he tends to get better pitches and can do things that he wants to do offensively. And, you know, with who's hitting around him and behind him, it's a tall order. Like, that protection is non-existent. If I'd have told you two and a half months ago, Davis Snyder was going to be the cleanup hitter hmm. in middle of September, <laughs> the first, I know the first thing out of your mouth would, would be, is, did Ross Atkins get fired? Because I know right. that's what, what I would have said. And this is sort of the thing you're going through, right, is Vladdy's getting those really nasty two-strike pitches, oh, oh, and it's up to him to have better mechanics and at least give himself the chance to, to get to the finish. So hopefully what he's done the last couple of days is going to do that. He can continue to get the big hit. They can pitch and play good defense. Kevin, do you think it's relevant that this team was able to sweep a team from the AL East? It's been widely discussed how they were struggling in division all season long, and the rest of their schedule is also all AL East. Do you think it's good for the team that they were able to kind of deal with one of those opponents that's given them some trouble this season? Absolutely. I mean, it's if we know that they've stunk against the American League East, they know it. Like, it's... You know, everybody says, don't don't look at what you've done in the past. It's impossible. I played baseball. You got any sport you ever play, you know what you haven't done well. They know it, right? They know they need to play better and they need to stop doing the things that beat them against teams like that. It's right. Again, I think just giving themselves confidence down the stretch here that Vladdy is, looks like he might be turning the corner. Their pitching staff's not getting tired, right? I mean, that's big sort of been the big topic of conversation is the rotation, you know, has pitched basically playoff baseball since August 1st, and how much longer can they last doing those kind of things? It looks like they've steadied the water a little bit. They've adjusted uh, things that they're trying to do between starts to keep themselves healthy and fresh, and the velocity's still there, and the late break's still there, and the mindset and the being able to self-correct on the mound is still there. So all those things are go. I just think, I think they know if they can not beat themselves and make sure they use the 27 outs, they can beat anybody. Like they're, mm. you, you guys see it. Like their pitching yeah. is elite and their outfield defense, which now is a giant deal is elite. And if they can continue to do those two kind of things. Yeah. I don't see why they, you know, they can't do the little things and have the big inning. Offensively, we know what it is. Like, you look at from four on, you just – it is amazing to me that sort of this is what it's come to when it comes to their lineup to where, you know, the Chapmans of the world that you were depending on hitting seventh and being pinch hit for late in the game. Like, it's just, Alejandro Kirk's been non-existent. Varsho, right, don't like quadrants of the strikes on. He has issues with sort of – some of the things that other guys in their lineup have. So, yeah, they've had some ups and downs, and for them to be able to overcome that because of a, of, of a couple of other things that they do elite, not good, the elite is just only a credit to who they are and what they are as an everyday baseball team. So, yeah, they're they're going to give this thing old college try, right? They're still quitting them, hmm. which, you know, that's the old, that's a that's an easy thing for a, a college or, a, or excuse me, a, a hockey country to say, right, is they're going to give it the old college try. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how dare you? But that's sort of what it is here, right? When you're tired, you really got to concentrate and mentally be prepared for if it does, if it's not working, 
can I remember how it was when it was working? And I think with the experience, because most of these guys, you know, when it matters, like the pitching side, have been there and done it before and know how to do that. So they're going to give them a chance just up to the lineup and the and the to stay away from the bad stuff that they do on the bases. Control that. They'll be all right. Kevin, wanted to ask you about Kevin Biggio as well. I think a lot of us remember when he was coming up and he would be in the same conversation as Vladdy and Bo Bichette. And then he arrived in the majors, kind of faded back a little bit. But his recent play has really had him looking like an everyday major league player. Do you feel like he's resurrected his career in the process of doing that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, again, I think you gotta you got to sometimes have somebody in your corner. John Snyder's a big, big fan of his. And, and, you know, there was a time there when he was hitting well under 200. You know, it was Rocky Road. Like, John had conversations with Kevin basically saying, hey, dude, you know, I, I can stick up for you. I can keep you on this team. But sooner or later, you can't you, – you just can't continue to hit in the hundreds. Like, you're going to have to figure things out. And to his credit, right, it was – when he first got here, it was big at the bend, bend at the waist, create the law for your barrel, and I want to get it out of the infield in the air, right? That's the big thing. I, I'm going to take those close pitches. If I'm going to get out, it's going to be eight, nine pitch outs and – you know, it's it's cute to watch, but when you're hitting a buck ninety, it ain't cute no more. So he went in the batting cage, and now he's a little bit taller at the waist, which allows him and gives him a chance to at least think about using the entire field. Like yesterday, leading off that ninth inning, he, or I think maybe it's, yeah, leading off the ninth inning, he got the three-two fastball that he hit the other way. He couldn't do that a couple months ago, and now mechanically, because he is a little taller, his swing's a little bit more level at least gives him a chance to be able to catch up to velocity, let it travel, and punch it to left field. And for a guy that's not going to play every single day now because he's you know defensively in a, a, a pretty good player and can play multiple positions, and he is one of their better base runners. You know, he's got baseball IQ, which is a big deal, and now because of the mechanical change, I think sometimes you, you do it not because you want to, because you have to, right? And yeah. He's at that line where if he didn't fix it, he's probably going to be in the minor leagues. That's not going to work anywhere else. It worked here because John was on his side. Give John credit that he saw something that we weren't seeing. Mm -hmm. I, I was basically the only guy in, in Toronto that was, would stick up for him. I mean, Jeff lambasted him every time he played and, <laughs> you know, was saying, why is he on the team? And I said, if you want to pick on somebody, why are you picking on the 25th and 26th guy? Pick on the dudes in the middle of the order playing every day, don't like the elevated fastball, and for whatever reason don't want to adjust and try and over overcome that. Pick on those dudes. But to Kevin's credit and to the organization's credit, you know, they made adjustments, and now I think he's, he's sort of going out there and, and saying thank you for sticking with me and letting mm -hmm. me figure it out, and now I'm contributing and, and helping a team win a baseball game. He gets good jumps. He's got baseball IQ. He hit a fastball. That's pretty good for the 26 guy on a baseball team. Uh, Kevin, real quick, too. Um, this whole Alec Manoa story is kind of in the background because the Blue Jays are in this thick of this playoff race trying to get to the postseason. How weird is this whole situation with him? Yeah, I don't know about weird. I mean, I look, I, I, there's, I think there's a bunch of unknowns there. I, this hmm. is what I know. I, I know conditioning-wise he came in, it's obvious he wasn't in shape. I mean, let's be honest. This is the way it is. You have to be able to repeat mechanics over and over and over again to have consistent velocity, tunneling, and late break on sliders. He didn't have any of that because of conditioning. Until he comes back and he's in better shape, how do we take him serious? You can't. So wow. I, I, there, for us to comment on things 
that are happening off the field between the two parties. I mean, I'm sure I could do some digging around because I'm pretty close to the people that are around that. But right now, I think those people don't want to talk about that anymore. It's sort of out of sight, out of mind. They'll mm-hmm. figure that out in the offseason. But I do know this. I think they know what it is. I think they know why it struggled, like why that whole situation and, you know, the ups and downs and the velocity and the movement on the two-seamer and, you know, the velocity on the four-seamer and the slider that I could hit at almost 50. Like, uh, sometimes you just are not a very good baseball player on a team that's trying to win a World Series, and they have to move on. Not saying that next year he's not going to have an opportunity to come in and compete for a job. Yeah, I said that. Compete for a job. Mm. Nobody's giving him anything. But now it's up to him, right? He could punch the mouth. For me, it just was one of those things where you don't show up in the conditioning and the throwing program that you need to be in. Things suffer. And, you know, your team's not scoring any runs and the spotlight is put on your pitching and your pitching has to be almost perfect and you're not perfect. Well, they're going to move on to somebody that's trying to be perfect and can be perfect. So, mm. yeah, this is, you know, this, you'll, well, let's try and stay away from speculating on what the two sides are thinking about each sure. other and just basically saying right in front of us, he wasn't good. They, as a pitching staff as a whole, have to be good because offensively they're not real good. So, you know, off-season, fix it, come back in spring training, be raring and ready to go, throw hard, consistently have the break that you need, dominate, and hopefully we see him next year. They're going to need him. Like, I, you know, it's to say that they, because of what they are not going to have when the season's over, I mean, they're going to look for a second baseman, a third baseman, a left fielder, a cleanup hitter. Yeah, like – that's a t- probably another catcher. I mean, how many how many of us raise your hand are tired of seeing Alejandro Kirk run the bases? I am. Yeah. Like, it just cons- they have a lot of things going on here that probably need to be addressed. So hopefully he can come back next year in spring training, be ready to go, and and we'll see the best out of Alec Manoa. Uh Kevin Barker is the co-host of Blair and Barker on the Sportsnet Radio and Television Network, former Major League Baseball. First baseman, uh, Mr. Barker, always a pleasure, and best of luck to your Broncos the rest of the season. Yeah, I don't think you mean that. Do you really mean that? <laughs> no, I, I don't uh, want you to – like, I consider you a friend. I don't want you to be in pain. That's why I mean that. Yeah, I mean – I don't I, want you to be upset. More, you cannot say anything that my wife has not already said to okay, me. Okay, all right. So, yeah, it's, it hurts worse coming from her. Okay. I know what team she likes and who yep. she roots for yep. and the quarterback that they have. Yep. So I just, you know, I bear it and grin and walk away. That's basically the only thing I can do. Uh, but I appreciate your thoughts and prayers. Yeah, I, I, I will, I will uh, say a prayer for you tonight. Thanks, Kevin Barker. All right, enjoy the baseball, Calgary. Yeah, we will. There he is, uh, Kevin Barker. Terrific stuff on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Broadcast Hotline. Straight ahead, Aaron Portsline covers the jackets for the Athletic. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio at the top of the hour. Charles Davis, he was on the call of the Jags and Chiefs for the NFL on CBS. He'll join us. And we're giving away some tickets at 830 Movie tickets to the Expendables 4. And, oh, by the way, Heritage Classic tickets in Edmonton next month. But uh, big news in the hockey world. Mike Babcock resigning as head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, Blue Jackets, not Jockets. Uh, Jackets. 
to talk about that on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Aaron Portsline, Blue Jackets writer for The Athletic. Aaron, good morning. Thanks for this. How are you? Yeah, good morning. Thanks for having me. Um, Aaron, how did we get from everything seemed okay early last week on Tuesday to yesterday? Yeah, well, quite clearly the, the NHLPA and their investigation, uh, speaking with Blue Jackets players perhaps, and probably players beyond the Blue Jackets, uh, heard information that was not as uh, not perceived to be or not as innocent or, uh, you know, not as bother- more bothersome than what they'd heard early in the week from uh, Boone Jenner, from Yarmo Kekalainen, and certainly from Mike Babcock. This did not land well with, you know, some players in the room. It wasn't just considered uh, a uh, an attempt to get to know the new guy uh, and, and an awkward but innocent interaction. It was seen as more than that. It was seen as an invasion of, of privacy. And and so when the PA started to hear from other players about this, um, that obviously elevated this. The question I have is, you know, did the Blue Jackets, were they duped by this as well? Did they? It's possible that Boone Jenner, that Johnny Gaudreau, these are respected veteran players, that their interaction was different with with Babcock, hmm. or perceived to be different, and so they were they were okay with it, um, but clearly other players weren't. And when that information became known to the PA, I think this is when it started to get a lot more serious. Uh, where did it get to the point where Mike Babcock couldn't be behind the bench for this season? Um, well, I think just that when, when, you know, I honestly, and, and it's a difficult and maybe unfair thing to put yourself in his headspace. I don't get the sense just in the way he talked about this and he had, he issued a statement and I had a brief conversation with him early in the week when it first became known. I honestly don't think he thought he was doing anything wrong, which in one sense, that's his best defense here. Uh, in another sense, it's not much of a defense it's the things that, that uh, caused his issues in Toronto and Detroit, he's not learned from them. Uh, it, it, this is overstepping the bounds. This is a, a coach going too far uh, with some players and not really understanding human interaction. I keep hearing that this is proof of a younger generation that can't handle tough coaching. I think that's completely unfair and misses the point. This is improper behavior, no matter how old you are, no matter how old the other person is. This is just not something you do. Have you ever asked for someone's cell phone to look through their stuff? I mean, sometimes they may offer it to you if they want to show you something. But this is like looking through someone's bank statements or, or digging through a purse or a wallet. Like, this is personal information. It's not your business. And clearly, player or players felt that uh, rather uncomfortable in, in being exposed in that way. And I think they're right to feel that way. This feels like it could get maybe uncomfortable between some of the veterans and the younger players. Like you said, there were some comments from Gaudreau and Boone Jenner that had said that this was something for their situation that had seemed, you know, innocent, but obviously for the younger players was different. How do you think this is going to affect the players as they get set for training camp in a new season? Yes, the media day is today. Perfect timing, right? Hmm. Ah. There's probably not going to be a lot of questions about, you know, who the second-line center is, uh, who's playing with Wierenski, those sort of things that would normally highlight uh, media day. Um, I think the veteran players, it's a fair question. It, it's putting people on the spot, but it's a fair question, I think, to Boone Jenner to say, 
what would your statement read like today uh, as opposed to the one you issued earlier in the week? Did he come to be aware uh, from from other players, teammates and beyond, that this was more than, than just an innocent interaction? Did, did Was he attempting – and I think it's, it's reasonable, maybe understandable. These guys wanted this to work. They wanted this in Columbus. Uh, after an awful year last year, they, they 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 were sort of putting both feet and 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 their heart and soul behind making this work with Mike Babcock. So I guess I could understand by the veteran players. So can we just get this right? Like can we just make this be okay? Um, but I, I think that's a fair question. It's not really one that I have an answer to right now. Mike Babcock obviously had a bit of a gravitas to just the name. Anytime you bring him into your organization, you're signing up for something a little bit more than you would with other coaches. How excited was the fan base, was the front office for the addition of Mike Babcock? Because this felt like a move to kind of take the Jackets into a one step forward into being another, a, a better team. Well, I think the front office obviously was, was uh, projecting nothing but happiness. I think it's safe to assume that some members of the front office were curious about if this was the right hire or the right guy. There's some baggage there, I think, if you're being fair. Um, you know, I'll be honest, the fan base, I don't know if it was split. I don't think there would be a polling on this, but there certainly were a lot of fans that, that did not like this hire at all. At all. I mean, because of what they'd heard of him coming out of Toronto. Now, Management has pointed to this, and it's true that the two best coaches in Columbus history were Ken Hitchcock and John Tortorella. Now, neither of them have been accused of anything close to what Babcock has been accused of, but both are regarded like Babcock as hard, uh, demanding coaches. And they made the playoffs for the first time ever under Ken Hitchcock. They had their best run of seasons under John Tortorella, and Tortorella was, was mostly here and absolutely a, a, a success here. Um, he's the winningest coach in franchise history. They made the playoffs four times in a row under him. Mm-hmm. It worked. And so for Yarmo Kekalainen, he felt they needed a person in that mold. And so he took a chance on Babcock. I'm, I think I think you could say safely today that, that there's regret in that decision. Blue Jackets writer for The Athletic here in Portsline, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose. 960 The Fan. If this is anybody but Mike Babcock, and I know it's impossible to speculate, but do you think he still has the head coaching job? Well, I, I think there would be I think there would be uh, some form of uh, punishment there for, for having done this, but it may not even get out if it weren't Babcock. I mean, let's, let's be honest, there are a lot of players around the league that have strong opinions about him and, and not positive ones, and I can tell you one of the early issues that the NHLPA was looking at uh, was to rule out this being a vendetta um, because he did, he did arrive here with baggage. He did, he did uh, arrive here with the reputation that uh, maybe he had said some positive things to rehabilitate his image. And, and I think he handled most of it the right way, although never really fully owned some of the stuff he was accused of in Toronto. Still here, he's, has said he resigned uh, to not be a, a distraction. He didn't say, geez, I screwed up. I, I apologize for any players that may have uh, in, you know, stepped over the, the bounds and, and uh, 
you know, delved into their private matters. He didn't say that. So I don't even think he's aware that he's done something wrong. That That is his best defense, as I've said, but it's also kind of the worst worst uh, level of proof that he hasn't learned. Can you tell us a little bit about Pascal Vincent, the new head coach, who was going to be the associate coach, but uh, a little bit of a, a surprise promotion here, I guess you could call it. Yeah, I mean, a surprise in one sense that this all came to pass as it did. But when a couple of days ago when we started hearing word that that Babcock could end up losing his job over this, I think Pascal Vincent was the was the guy in-house that makes the most sense. It, there's an awkwardness to this, obviously. He, he was passed over twice for this job. Uh, he was they really impressed uh, Blue Jackets management when he interviewed for the, the job that Brad Larson got two years ago. That's why he became the associate coach here. Uh, and I think this time they felt, again, they needed a veteran coach to write uh, sort of the, the waywardness of the dressing room. So he, he wasn't deemed to be the right fit. This Now he's now he's in the big chair. Voice in the National Hockey League, but an age coach of many years at stops, Cape Breton and Manitoba. Obviously, has a great relationship with with Pascal and Jack Roslovic from their time in Winnipeg. Uh, he does have a lot of respect in the dressing room, and I've covered sports long enough to know that as strange as it sounds, something like this, while it could divide the room, it could also have a galvanizing effect. I think these guys would want to play for Pascal Vincent, um, and I think there was probably, truth be told, some uncertainty in the in the masses of what this was going to be like under Babcock. And certainly the interactions and the meetings he had with players, at least some of those players, only heightened that that sense. Uh, Aaron, obviously uh, this is now a black eye on the Blue Jackets organization. What does this mean with how Yarmo Kekalainen is perceived by not only the fan base, but maybe ownership? Does this this hire and now this fiasco maybe put him in some hot water? Well, it's interesting to note the – the ownership in Columbus is about what most people would want in a pro sports ownership group. Uh, the McConnell family hires hockey people, Don Davidson, Jarmo Kekalainen, others, and says, you make the hockey decisions. Let us know what we can do. They, they, do, they do not meddle. They do not uh, pretend to know hockey better than actual hockey people. But what, what frustrates owners like that who wish to run their organization that way is this gives them, my in my mind, no no option but to become involved and to ask those tough questions of their people that they have in charge. You know, they would know, I mean, they wouldn't hire a Mike Babcock, they wouldn't hire a coach without going to ownership first, so they know whose neck was on the line with this, mm-hmm. who stepped forward and said, we know what's out there, we know there's going to be some blowback, but this is the right guy. And I think it's up to them to determine how much further this goes. And, and do they still have full trust in their the people making hockey decisions that landed on this guy and, and had it become this where not only does he not make it to the start of the season, it's pretty incredible, he doesn't run a single practice with them. Uh, I mean, this is Mike Price in Alabama, if you remember, the college football hmm. coach, fired before he ever coached the game with, with the Crimson Tide. It's pretty rare. Uh, it becomes part of a, a, a team's, you know, history and, and embarrassing moments. It certainly is one for the Blue Jackets. 
Uh, Aaron, how surprised are you? And I kind of was a little bit. Just the amount of dancing on the grave of Mike Babcock on social media yesterday. Uh, not surprised. Not surprised at all because I, I saw the <laughs> I saw the outrage and the vitriol when he was hired. Uh, hmm. I saw the uh, the anger every time we would write a story that quoted Mike Babcock or reference Mike Babcock. I mean, it's it's kind of I handled it this way. We covered the press conference when he got hired and asked difficult questions. And there was a few days of that coverage. After that, I'm starting to write hockey stories, and you can't spend every story uh, detailing what has happened to him in his past, I don't think. I think people know this. But every time we would write something, mm-hmm. uh, Q&A with Mike Babcock, asking him you know, his thoughts on the team and the season that, that's in front of us, uh, there were people that would be, why would you give this guy a, a voice? Why would you give him a platform? I, you know, I, I, I've lost respect for you as a writer. Um, there, there were people that were pretty pissed off that he was the coach, and it was it was tangible. And, and so when this happened yesterday, uh, you knew there would be people either celebrating his demise or also uh, trumpeting the fact that they called this or say that they called this from the start that this wasn't going to work out. How does this change the expectation of this team? And I, I think it kind of affects it two-way. One, you're going from a veteran coach to a younger coach, but then the other is – there's a lot of Columbus Blue Jackets in kind of the national NHL conversation right now, and that's not where you want to be right before training camp. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're coming back from the, the Prospects tournament in Traverse City where Adam Fantilli was just, like, off the charts dominant, which is not what typically happens for 18-year-olds in this tournament. filled with 22-year-olds, filled with guys who've had four years of college and have played full junior careers. 18-year-olds typically uh, don't make noise in this thing. He was, I mean, he couldn't, he couldn't ignore him. He was incredible. And, and that, that's uh, a secondary, maybe a third or fourth story now. This team's got an incredible crop of, of young prospects coming, and there's just no oxygen being spent on that. And it's going to be like that for the next couple of days. This is a team that fancies itself a competitive team in the, in the Metro which I know sounds strange to some people based on the fact that they were so bad last year's second worst team in the league. But there's some star power here with Gaudreau, with Line A. There's some really res- respected, responsible veterans, Boone Jenner, Sean Corrali, Eric Branson, Zach Lorensky. And there's a really bright crop of young players. I mentioned Fantilli, Kent Johnson, Cole Sillinger, uh, Kirill Marchenko. I mean, they have the ability to put together uh, a pretty – good team if it comes together and be competitive. I'm not ready to call them a playoff team. That's a big climb. But for right now, I don't think the story of this team is, is the hockey club or the, the uh, preseason prognostications. It's, you know, how healthy is this house and what else has become after the, the resignation of Mike Babcock? Um, Aaron, we appreciate your time uh, this morning. We saw your tweet. Um, how much is your phone blown up in the last 48 hours over this news? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot. It's, 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 put it this way, it's plugged in because uh, the battery is today. Thanks, Mike. Uh, we, we, uh, we appreciate your time. I know you're busy. Uh, just uh, check out pretty much any media outlet that covers hockey. Uh, you'll probably hear Aaron Portsline on uh, this morning. Terrific stuff, Aaron. Thanks for this. Yeah, I've always got time for Calgary. I've always enjoyed talking to you guys, so thanks for having me. Sounds good. We'll do it again uh, during the season. There he is, Aaron Portsline, Blue Jackets writer for The Athletic on the Atlas Pizza and sports bar guest.
hotline. We always have time for Aaron. Yes. Because if busy. there's anybody who covers anything Columbus, Blue Jackets, yeah, it's Morsi. most like he's the guy for the Jackets. Yeah, like literally, you can go find him on Twitter at a ports line. Um, but he literally has a tweet here. He's got seven forty already done. Eight thirty five, nine thirty. Uh, that would have been us. These are Eastern times. Yep. Ten a.m., ten thirty five, eleven a.m., eleven thirty five, two forty five, and five fifteen. Busy guy. And we got him. We were lucky to have him on the whole Mike Babcock situation. Some uh, news came oh, out. Our man Patrick Dumont reeled him in. Caught a big fish, Patrick. Landed yeah. a big fish. It's a smallmouth bass. Trophy fish. Okay. Yeah. Bonita, our Bonita fish. Hey, I wanted to mention something, George. Uh, just came up during the break. Um, Calgary Transit, due to a mechanical oh, issue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, blue line and red line trains are not moving through the 7th Avenue uh, downtown core, westbound or eastbound. There's shuttle buses out. Um, but just a heads up, if you're taking transit downtown or trying to get from one quadrant to the other, uh, you're going to have some delays. Yeah. Okay. We haven't Pack seen your any, patience. Tra- any trains have gone by today. No, it's this been thing's a, been parked a, here for about 15 minutes now. Yeah. So just wanted to pack your patience. There. Yes. That's what pack they'll tell you. Uh, and nothing beats when something like this happens on a Monday because that doesn't make people angry. Oh, yeah. Monday. At least the weather's nice. Great. Yeah, at least it's warm. It's not snowing. It could be minus 25 and snow. Well, so yeah. I'm just trying to tell you guys now so you don't find out when you get to the train line. It's, it's, okay. It's, Thank it's, you for that. Yeah. Um, we're giving away tickets uh, to the Heritage Classic, which goes down next month in Edmonton. Uh, they're pricey, and you have a chance to win a free pair with us at 830. Also, we're giving away movie tickets to the Expendables 4. It's easy. We're asking you at 960, 960, name and location. Um. I worked as a blank shorter than Mike Babcock's tenure behind the bench of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Give us a story of a job you didn't really work that long with or at you didn't really like. There's a story behind it, 960, 960, name and location. Kevin Barker told us uh, when he was in high school, uh, he got a job mowing lawns. He lasted about 35 minutes. That's good one. He tried to mow his initials into the, into the customer's lawn. Dad, his dad wasn't happy. He grounded him. Give us your story, 960, 960. Name and location. Charles Davis, NFL on CBS, uh, going to join us straight ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did the Chiefs and Jags games yesterday. Want to ask his reaction when uh, Ian Eagle said that uh, Travis Kelsey found a blank space in reference to the rumors that Travis Kelsey is dating superstar Taylor Swift. Pretty good. It, it was very good. creative. I was hoping, I'm not going to lie, I was hoping for like a ham-handed, like, by the end of the first quarter, he's already made like a dozen references. Yeah, be great. And he's just like beating you over the head with it. I'm yeah. like, sign me up for that. Let's yeah, go. for sure. Um, we'll talk to Charles Davis next. We'll give away some tickets at 8.30. Texty McTexterson is going to join us. What? I want the Chiefs play-by-play guy to do it, though. Oh. Just because the his sweet voice. nectar? Oh, yeah. The, sweet. the 47th time that Patrick Mahomes has found Travis Kelsey. Mm, that wasn't the, the No, he didn't get the probably. sweet nectar of the end zone. Kansas City! No, that wasn't. No, that's it. not it. Oh, touchdown! It's a long clip. I don't know. Has found Travis Kelsey in the sweet nectar of the end zone. That's an all-time Kansas City Chiefs record quarterback to a pass catcher. Okay. Um, In the sweet nectar of the end. Charles Davis next. Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan.